All right, cool. So I don't want to, I'm not going to be long today, I don't think. I've, uh, I've been doing a lot of talking. <laughs> Uh, this last week, I did a, uh, I'm starting a class, Metaphysical Mysteries. You can still sign up for that if you want to. You just go to our webpage. There's no place on the web to sign up for it. I'll attach the link here, which you can just go to the awakeningcenter.org in the give page and give $300 and comment. Someday I'll get caught up with technology and whatever, but I'm just trying to offer some stuff for people um, and learn as I go. So appreciate your patience with that. It's on the Tree of Life. Started that yesterday. That went really well. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of ha- tapped out <laughs> and popped out. Um, so I'm just going to start sharing what was on my morning, and we'll see how uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, just you know, reflecting back on the last year, I, I've just really been doing a lot of reflecting. I've had a few days off. Um, I've been doing a lot of reflecting on where I've been, uh, especially this past year, and where. I feel like the direction of my life and what can I do that's going to bring value to people that's really going to help people and, and add value to their lives. And, uh, and then uh, I, I just got to thinking again about how we are in the changing of age. Now I told you guys, if you were watching or listening or following time that, uh, if, if Donald Trump didn't get reelected to, uh, office or put in office or whatever, that out of the evangelical, charismatic, prophetic world, we were going to see a resurgence of uh, end-time prophecy teachings. Uh, people had kind of let that go. Some people kind of let that go for a while. And even people now, even people now who I know uh, five years ago, ten years ago, had let go of the uh, dispensational antichrist, mark of the beast teaching because they realized it didn't stand up to good scrutiny or they got tired of being played and buying the same books over and over again and expecting this something that is never going to happen while the people making the money are moving the goalposts even people let go of that belief system but got caught up in the political stuff that was going now they're reverting back i'm seeing their posts on facebook and even preachers that i knew that i listened to that were preaching a kingdom oriented message that's what we called it back then uh and understand, you know, Jesus wasn't coming back to rapture and the whole earth wasn't going to hell and there's just really no point in doing anything to try to improve society, to talk about social issues or social justice or to try to bring people together because it's all going to go to hell and any kind of unity that's being brought about, anything that's bringing people together then becomes viewed as something of the Antichrist. It becomes viewed as a deception. It becomes viewed as a great falling away, right? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing the resurgence of that. And it shapes our right? And, I, and so I want to go back to just this idea about the changing of the ages and the uh, procession of the equinox. So I'm just going to repeat it again for those of you that may not have got it the first 30 times I said it. Not kidding. Uh, or if, if you're kind of new to this idea, the, you know, as the sun travels around the, as the sun travels around the earth, dear Jesus, help me today. As the earth travels around, sweet baby Jesus, come and help me. Uh, as the earth is moving around the sun, 
it's moving through the constellations. That's where you get your zodiac sign, your your sun sign, your birth sign. So that the sun is in Virgo uh, on August 30th when I was born. So that makes my sun sign, that makes me a Virgo. Um, at the equinox, the theory is now, the belief is now among scientists, that the solar system itself is also rotating around some central point. So in the same way the moon rotating around the central point of the Earth, the Earth is rotating around the central point of the sun, they believe the solar system is also rotating. And it's moving through the constellations at a much slower pace, at least the way we perceive it, and it's moving backwards. So, for example, I think right before Virgo, you have Leo in July, I think, and August, you got September, you've got Libra, October, you've got Scorpio, so it's moving that direction. If we were to talk about the procession of the equinox, then it's moving backwards. It's moving from Scorpio to Libra, then to Virgo. It's moving the opposite direction. And the visible change by the position of the sun through the procession of the equinox takes 2,500 years to become noticeable for it to change. So you're changing an age every 2,500 years. There's a dominant sign in the sky that rules over an age. Just like there's a dominant sign that's ruling over the sun. A month, there's a dominant sign ruling over an age of about anywhere from 2,100 to 2,500 years. So that's the procession of the equinox. And we were in the age of Pisces. And now, I believe, in the age of Aquarius. So that's what astrologers would say. If you go back to 2012, there was a lot of talk about the Mayan calendar predicting something happening in 2012. The indigenous people uh, talk about the time of the sixth sun, that we're in a new age, a new era. Well, um, one spiritual prophet that I respect from the last century said that we were moving from the age of the, the, the humanity moved through the age of the matriarch or the divine, the goddess, moved into the age of the patriarch, the father. So the divine feminine, earth worship, nature worship, shamanism, the divine masculine, the Abrahamic religions, father, son, Holy Spirit, all of that. That's the ruling archetype of the age that we were in. And he says that around the last century, we were moving into the age of the sun. And what he said was that the age of the sun would be marked by a blending or a bringing together or a balancing out of the divine feminine and the divine masculine or the feminine energy, masculine energy, feminine archetype, masculine archetype. (laughs) My point is, just about anybody that lays claim to any kind of spirituality believes that we're in a changing of the age. 
Astrologers say we're moving out of the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. Indigenous people say we're coming into the time of the rising of the sixth sun. Other spiritual paths say that we're in the age of the sun or the age of Horus using the Egyptian archetypes of Isis, Osiris, and then um, Doug, if you're on, you have to help me out. Horus. <laughs> Doug knows those Egyptian deities way better than I do. And if you're an evangelical Christian, charismatic, spirit-filled, prophetic person, you've been saying it's the end of the age for at least the last 200 years. So my take is that if you look at the patterns, it does appear that there is an energy that impacts and affects consciousness, change, and progress that comes from being in the age of Aquarius, so moving out of the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. Now, Aquarius is typically the man with the water pitcher in his hand, but astrologers also say this is an air sign. Now, I brought up something in my class on Wednesday. We bring a presupposition with us. We bring a belief with us that we don't even know we have unconsciously that human progression is on an upward arc all the time. That we started down here and we've been progressing and moving up ever since. And it's easy for us to believe that, even if we say we don't believe it, we do, because subconsciously, I mean, we know we've just seen the progress in our own time period. Like, I remember when my great-grandmother passed away at like 102 or 103 years old, and we were talking about her. She Colorado on a covered wagon. So in her lifetime, she went from seeing travel by horse and covered wagon to the space shuttle, literally, in one lifetime. So we know that technologically, we are a lot more advanced than people were two, three hundred years ago. That alone is enough to impact our consciousness to think that humanity's just on this upward trajectory and we are the best. We are the apex. We are the best that humanity has ever been. We're the smartest. We're the most knowledgeable, et cetera, and so on. But that's actually a presupposition. What if that's not true? What if progress ebbs and flows? like everything else in this world? What if progress has a rhythm? And what if we are not the most advanced people to ever live? And I and I, I put this out in my last video. I said, what if there were other cultures that were more advanced from a spiritual perspective and therefore had actualized some things of human, some things that we're capable of doing and being, through the power of the mind, through the power of the spirit, and what if they understood some things about energies and the way energies work, including these universal energies that we've lost, and what if we've slid more into materialism, and so that now what maybe people were able to do millennia ago, which their writings and stories would say that they were able to do. I mean, it's there. I'm not just making this up. But we have lost those capabilities, and so we have to use technology and materialism so that we exercise experiences 
or capabilities through machines and technology that we used to not have to externalize or use a machine to do. And I used the example, you know, there are indigenous cultures that claimed that they could meet, and they still do, um, that they can meet on what's called the astral plane or a place in consciousness, and they can communicate and share ideas and information back and forth with one another, crossing oceans and without regard to time and space in the same way that we're doing this right now, that I'm able to come and share ideas and read comments back from you. But technology to use what they used a spiritual technology to accomplish. And so maybe we're less spiritually evolved because see, here's the thing about the age of Aquarius. Everybody thinks it's going to be this great utopia and we're just moving into this wonderful time and we're so much more advanced and we're so enlightened and people are just getting enlightened overnight right now. It used to take, you know, decades. People are just getting enlightened right away. What if that's all bullshit? What if, what if we have fallen much further than we realize? And what if we've got a lot, lot far, farther way to go in terms of spiritual advancement in the human collective? And what if the age of Aquarius isn't going to be all unicorns and rainbows? In fact, what if it's going to be quite the opposite? What if we are heading into a time that, uh, I mean, there, there are some Hindus, uh, teachers that believe getting into the Kali Yuga which is the uh, age of destruction and, and devolution. Uh, who's the guy um, that brought a lot of yoga teachings to the West? Uh, Yogi Nanda said that he thought the Kali Yuga was over. But there again, there's another example. So that we're moving into a time of paradise. Now, I want to be hopeful for that. And I don't believe that the age of Aquarius is necessarily going to be just this horrible time. But I just think it's like everything else. It's going to have its good and it's bad. It's going to have its light and it's dark. It's going to have its polarity. We're not going to escape the laws of polarity and the laws of rhythm and the laws of things swinging back and forth just because we want to. And now it's the age of Aquarius and that's somehow going to come and fix everything because we don't have to deal with uh, old religion anymore and old patriarchal controls. Um, What if the age of Aquarius presents its own set of problems And what if there is going to be, man, you got it. I don't need to keep belaboring the point. My point was saying maybe we're not as advanced as those cultures is that the Babylonians, the Sumerians, and the Egyptians all knew about the procession of the equinox. And you have to ask yourself, how did they know about the procession of the equinox? How did they know to the, where the sky was 2,500 years before them? How did they even know to watch for the change? How did they know about that? When you look at how some of the pyramids were built and their alignment with the stars is just amazing. Uh, some of the stuff that the Mayans built, their alignment with the stars. Uh, some of the stuff the Celtics built, their alignment with the stars and the solar calendars and all this stuff. I mean, they had an immense amount, amount of knowledge about the stars, about the planets, and maybe about the energies that were impacting us uh, as our Earth moves through these things. I mean, you got to admit, if anybody's ever had their chart done, their astrology chart, and I'm not just talking about looking at what the horoscope is for your sun sign. I'm talking about having a complete chart done of where you were born, the time you were born, where the planets were in relationship to the constellations. Pretty accurate. Pretty astounding. 
So here's some things that I think we need to be aware of as we move into this new age. I think that we are going to see more and more a demand for immediate results. We're going to see more and more an impatience thing in our kids, right? I mean, and it's understandable. I'm not blaming the next generation at all. I'm just saying, like, like I counsel college-age students, and one of the things that's funny is I'm, as I'm learning their culture. I mean, I'm an immigrant, really. I'm an immigrant to their culture. I'm not native to it. They're the natives to it. I'm the immigrant, so I have to learn their ways, right? But one of the things that's funny is they, they, they never, their date never ends. Like they go on an, a never ending date. Like, so however they meet, however they go on a date, they go out and do whatever they do. Let's say, you know, back before the pandemic and now hopefully going forward, dinner and a movie. Let's just say that. Or they go to one of the college uh, sporting events. Used to be, you had to call up, you know, and when I was dating, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, I think we got our first answering machine when I was 19 years old. So you didn't have answering machines. You didn't have call waiting. So you had to get through to the person to begin with, right? You had to get through to them. So that might take you a while, like a couple nights maybe. Then you decide, okay, you're going to go on this date. So then you have to decide on the time on the phone. You have to decide on the time, decide on what you're going to do. You show up, you pick the girl up, you drive on the date, you go to the movie, you go to the dinner, you drop her off, you kiss her goodnight, whatever, and you go home, and that's it. The date's over. That's the end of the date. Maybe you wait a couple days to call, you know, because it used to be don't call right away, don't call the next day or whatever. Wait some time to call, right? So now with texting and social media and Snapchat, no, that's not what they do. No, they go to the dinner and the movie and then they go back to their dorm room or they go home and they snap right away. Oh, I had such a great time. Did you have a good time? And they Snapchat back and then, wow, it was just amazing. Um, have a good night. I'll talk to you tomorrow, whatever. And they might Snapchat or they might. Who knows? FaceTime, they might text for 30 minutes before they go to bed. They get up the next morning. Hey, gorgeous. How's it going? And that's it, man. I mean, I mean, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And I've talked to several in students that have had the same experience. So that now, if they don't hear from their boyfriend or girlfriend for two hours, unless they got a good reason, Four hours at the most, they're freaking out and feeling abandoned, a lot of them. And so they go through cycles in the relationship. They go through, oh, we're in love and doughy-eyed. That used to take 16 months at least. You could, you could count on a year and a half of that maybe before you started to see the flaws. And then you, you see the flaws and kind of the new relationship energy goes away. And then you start fighting over stuff. And then eventually you end up hating each other and breaking up or one of you or, or you cheat one of you cheats on the other something happens you end up breaking up that that whole process maybe took two years when when i was their age now that whole process happens in three months 
because they, they're they're never not connected. If they want to know something, they can Google it immediately. If they want to uh, get any kind of food and pop it in the microwave, I mean, you, you, you get what I'm saying. So they, they, they are in a, I mean, like if we were going to do research, just another example, that's dating. If we were going to do research, write a research paper. Dear Lord, we had to go to the library. We had to know the Dewey numeral system. Does anybody know the Dewey number system anymore? Did they even teach that? Do they even use that in libraries anymore? You track it with me? We'd have to drive, and for us, it was a half-hour drive to the library. We'd have to drive to the library. We'd have to look up information. We'd have to write it out by hand. Then we would have to sit at a typewriter. You remember what a typewriter was? And we would sit there and type. And if you made a mistake, you either had to white it out and try to type it over. But if you had a teacher that wouldn't accept that, you had to throw it away and start the whole paper over again. What am I talking about? I'm saying that things took time, and we were just used to things taking time. Now, if you want to do research, you've got it on your phone. You can connect to the internet and Google and access information. You got you got. Um, uh, I'm at a loss here. Amazon. You got podcasts. You got YouTube. You got 24-hour news cycles. Used to be, if you wanted to know the news, we had to wait for the newspaper the next day. Used to be if we wanted to know the the news, we had to watch it on television at five o'clock or ten o'clock, and we got a half hour, or we got whatever the newspaper chose to 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 send us. And oftentimes there wasn't even competition. Uh, in other words, you didn't have newspapers competing with each other, so you just kind of got whatever news you got when you got it, because we weren't disconnected. We didn't have the internet now. Your tribe, your group, was geographical because that's the only way you could communicate because we had snail mail. Remember snail mail? Anybody use the mail service anymore? You write a letter to your pen pal. Anybody have a pen pal growing up? You write a letter to your pen pal. You put it in the mail, and then you wait. Oh, I can't wait to hear back. Um <laughs> I saw Brittany says you're teaching from space today, Aaron. Isn't it great? <laughs> We're talking about the, the change of the age, Brittany, because I saw that you, you said you were late. But remember pen pals? Like you had to write the letter, you put it in the mail, and then you'd wait. Maybe you'd wait a month, and then suddenly or whatever, you'd get a, a letter. It'd be like so exciting that you got a letter. Now, if you don't get back with somebody within a few hours by – messaging or text messaging or social media or something like that, they feel like you're blowing them off. So you've got a bigger social network, a bigger social group. If you are in any kind of industry, you have customers who now demand or expect instant response, instant results, so that everything has not just become more connected, it has become more accelerated, and this acceleration has also put a greater demand on us. There are some really interesting psychological studies coming out about how social media is addicting, about how uh, when you get a like or a love on a certain post that you get a bit of a dopamine 
release. And dopamine is what you get when you use cocaine. Now, you get dopamine from other things, too. I'm not equating this to using cocaine, but I'm trying to help you see. So if your body's getting these little surges of dopamine off of just likes, then that's one of the reasons that people will sit there and just scroll for hours on end on Facebook or on social media because it literally is like hooking them with that sort of addictive thing. Um, so the social pressure is on a whole different level. It used to be peer pressure. You had to be in their presence. Now you have peer pressure on social media. Bullying, you had to be in their presence. Now you have bullying on social media, and it's horrible. Some of the bullying that goes on on social media is just absolutely horrific. One of the things that happens when you connect with someone face-to-face like this, particularly in person, when you sit down and have a conversation in person, unless this part of your brain works differently or doesn't work, you have built in facial recognition software in your brain. I'm using it as a metaphor. To recognize when someone someone's mood when you're talking to them. So that if I say something that I don't mean offensive and it upsets you and you're in my presence, I can subconsciously pick up on the facial reaction because facial reactions are immediate um, and they're the hardest thing to disguise. I can pick up on your body language. I can pick up on your energy. When we're dialoguing on Facebook, sharing comments with each other, we don't have that ability anymore. So that if I were to insult you to your face, there would be a painful response when I saw your face and how you felt, actually felt and responded to the words that I used. And because I'm in your presence, I can't immediately escape the conflict. So we used to teach manners, right? Like manners were important, not just so you could be uppity. Manners were important because it helped you relate well to people. It helped you relate. It helped us relate well one to another. Now, where's manners today? Where's manners on social media? And also, we can comment, message, and say anything we want to say about anybody we want to say it, however we want to say it, in whatever way we want to say it. And we're not immediately aware of the social consequences of our words or our actions or how it's affecting that other person. So now we've got more connection than ever. We've got more information than ever. Everything is accelerated. Everything's happening at a faster pace. And we are, even though we're connected, we are disconnected emotionally from each other. We are disconnected so that manners and being impolite and all that stuff is kind of going out the window. Now, we're raising our kids. You know, we're doing our best to raise our kids to have manners. And I can't tell you how many people, anytime we take them out in public, anytime, just about, we get comments or I get comments from people about, how pleasant they are and how nice they are. And they get a lot of favor, guys. I mean, they get um, 
especially Josiah, man. We went to one of these little mini uh, metaphysical fairs a couple weeks ago that they were having at a restaurant here. And he walked out with all kinds of free stuff, um, all kinds of free stuff. And one of the uh, people that was there that we know um, invited him to her place to play with the singing bowls. And so we went and he got to play with all her singing bowls and all this different stuff and just had a great time together. And it was wonderful. They have a lot of favor because they they have that pleasantness and they have some manners about them, I think, I believe. Beside the point, I'm bragging on my kids. I, I can't help. I'm bragging on my kids. But see, here's the deal. Like, we are connected. Everything is accelerated. So there's impatience. And our tribe is no longer those that are our neighbor geographically. Our tribe is becoming our group think, the people who think like us. In other words, when it was just geographical, you could have somebody, you could sit down with somebody, be friends with somebody, hang out with somebody, and have complete disagreement, be on complete opposite ends of the political spectrum, have completely different uh, ideas about God or spirituality or whatever. But at the end of the day, you still came together. Boundaries. Now, here's the interesting thing. In the age of Pisces, Pisces is a water sign. The boundary for your tribe was typically water, oceans, rivers, things like that. Pacific Ocean, Atlantic Ocean, Mississippi River, Rio Grande River. Kind of draws the map of the United States. And so people fought over land. Their resources were in oil and diamonds and precious gems. Now your resources are Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, stock. I mean, real estate's always going to be there, but you get it? So the boundaries now that divide us is our group think. It's what we think and how we think. And we will become a tribe or find our tribal affiliation with who thinks and believes and acts like us so that you have a zillion subcultures that are creeping up. There's a subculture for everything. There's a, there's a Facebook group or a, um, for everything. So yeah, so Armando says, um, air, exactly. So the boundaries now are in the air and air has to do with your thoughts. And so now we're in thought wars. Now we're in mind wars. Now we're in information wars or information battles. And everybody has their narrative. Everybody has their own truth. Everybody has their own information. Everybody has their own story and believes 
as a general rule, this is what I've seen last year. You can call me out if I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm wrong. But they genuinely believe that their story, their narrative, and their tribe is right, and the other one is wrong. And you don't have to go very far to see it. All you have to do is turn on Fox News and watch what they're reporting that day, and then turn on MSNBC and watch what they're reporting that day. And if all a person does is watch Fox News, listen to Rush Limbaugh, God rest his soul, I don't know who took over for him. Sorry, that came out out of habit. Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, for God's sake. Of course, he's on Fox News. But I'm talking about this radio programs where people of like mind call in to validate the way you think. So in talk radio, left or right, you have someone taking calls from people who think like you because they're listening to the program who validate what you think. Or if there's a challenge, the radio show host puts them on mute or whatever and bullies them with the dominant narrative nowadays with name calling, not with logic, not with critical thinking, but with name calling. And you got the same thing going on to a large degree on the other side because they have their own agenda. And so you have these, these polarities so that if you're living in the Fox info world, information ecology, you are living in a completely different world completely different world than the person who lives in the CNN or MSNBC narrative world. And you guys could be neighbors and you could be fighting not over the fence line or the weeds in the yard. You're fighting over the political sign in the yard. Because I'm right, I got my info, and, and, and so then who's right? You know, who's right? And then you add YouTube to the mix. I mean, one of the reasons I haven't been on YouTube, I need to get back on YouTube, but I gotta be honest with you, the reason I've stayed off YouTube for the last year is because YouTube is not a scholarly resource of information. Anybody can jump on YouTube with an opinion and an idea and sound smart and be persuasive. And if it jives with what you already think, because we have a confirmation bias, then you're going to gravitate towards that YouTuber. Great. Good for you. But that does not make it accurate or correct or truthful information. In other words, what's happening is there is no vetting anymore. There is no vetting of information. Used to be living in a small community. You knew people. You knew, families knew each other. You knew if somebody was good for their word or if they cheated the neighbor down the road. You knew if somebody was going to do honest business dealings with you because you knew other people in the community that they had to do business with because they couldn't do business online. They couldn't do transactions online. You kind of knew in the church board meetings who was just, you know, really had something of substance to say and who was really just a blowhard. You don't know with the YouTube people. You don't know. You don't know. So here's here's the point. The point is this, right? So we're impatient. We want it now, and we want it simple, and we want it easy, and we want it fast. We want it fast. See, that's the key. And your brain is designed that way. Your brain is somewhat designed to want to closure quickly. 
this world that we're living in is increasing that neural activity of needing closure quickly, which means sometimes, not sometimes, most of the time, it takes a lot of hard work and real research to find out sometimes what the actual facts are about a situation, what the actual facts are about an ideology, what the actual facts are about anything in the information universe. But our brains don't like that. So we want it simple, we want it fast, we want it easy, we want the fast track. And that makes us so susceptible, makes us so susceptible to information that will not bear fruit in our lives or that will bear fruit that create hate and divisiveness, strife and division and separation. And people can just put stuff out there and it can go unchallenged. It can go unchallenged because they literally, with the algorithms, you guys know this, you've probably seen the documentary, I still haven't even seen it, um, Social Dilemma. But with the algorithms on YouTube, the algorithms on Facebook, what we call cancel culture. Listen, I've been canceled. <laughs> I was talking to Doug Wednesday just last night. We were messaging and it's like, Man, Aaron, you used to get like a thousand, twelve hundred views. Now you get, you can barely get two hundred. And I know why, because I spoke my mind about some things that weren't popular with the segment of people, a large portion of the segment of people that were following me. So my point is, what we do now is when we get exposed to information we don't agree with, we don't engage, we cancel, we cut it out. Like, it's bad enough the algorithms are working to keep you in your information ecology. But if all you're doing is watching one news program and getting the liberal side or watching one news program and getting the conservative side, if all you're doing is going by what somebody you know told you about something, and then you further that narrative... Because you didn't check out the facts for yourself. You didn't know how to do research. And then these become the where the battle lines are drawn. You know, they, they did some research with people, with some kids, where they set up social media things and they were able to uh, put out pictures of how they looked and whatever. And uh, they they did, you know, do you find this person attractive? And then they also asked the person, how do you rate yourself the scale from, you know, as far as your attractiveness on a scale from zero to 10, whatever. And then they falsely generated likes and loves comments on their pictures and they were able to completely flip the script. So the people who thought that they were attractive when they weren't getting the likes and the loves on their pictures, on their Snapchat accounts or their whatever, Instagram, I'm only on Facebook. I, I'm, I have a Twitter account, but I don't have any followers. I don't tweet. I just like to follow stuff. So they flipped the script. So people 
who felt good about themselves, felt good about how they looked, they didn't get very many likes and loves and comments. The people who didn't feel good about themselves and, you know, were on the negative side, they gave them tons of likes and loves. And so they thought their opinions and their appearance and everything must be wonderful because of all the likes and loves. And they're completely computer generated, completely falsely generated. And so the more people that like and love and share our stuff, then we feel like we're more right. We feel like we have more influence or we feel like we have more authority. And so these things just, they, they take on a life of their own and they just grow. So yeah, there's a lot of great things. We can be exposed to a lot of great information. We can connect with people. Some of my best friends that I have now are people I have met on Facebook. I definitely have my tribe of people. I definitely have my preference of news networks to watch. I definitely have my preference of YouTube programs or live videos that I want to watch. But I want to at least be aware that I can be snared into this information ecology, information echo chamber. So I always want to hear from the other side. And I want to engage in conversations and dialogue. And so I appreciate those that I've been able to do that with and have dialogue with. I got a couple of really good friends that are Trump supporters, strong Republicans. And they'll get upset every time I, because I tend to generalize and we'll come back. We'll have a conversation about it. And I appreciate that. It helps me, helps me stay centered and balanced and make sure I don't get stuck in that own echo chamber. But here's the thing, guys, about information. Information has consequences. Information has consequences. Ideas have consequences. Beliefs have consequences. They bear fruit. Those of us that got snared in religion and ended up so and ended up becoming something we didn't want to become, doing things we didn't want to do. In other words, becoming judgmental. I just use an example: becoming judgmental and hard-hearted towards people of a different sexual orientation or uh, gender expression. Um, becoming hardened and judgmental. Towards those people, that started with an idea. So let me put that idea in my head. And I had to unlearn. I had to learn it. And then I had to unlearn it. And then I had to learn something else to change the expression of who I was. So if there's anything, I mean, maybe Jesus isn't an authority for you anymore. But there's a lot of wisdom and things that Jesus said, like, take heed what you hear. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Take heed how you hear. Take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. What you hear and how you hear what you're hearing. Because words are seeds that are going to get in your heart and grow. And so here's here's the question. Like, what can you resonate with something? doesn't mean that at the end of the day, it's going to have good fruit. Oh, I really resonate with this path, or I really resonate with this teacher, or I really resonate with this truth. Great, great. But if you dive headlong into that, 
without investigation because we're so connected and things are so accelerated and you need it fast. You need it quick and you want that quick path and they're promising you that quick path and you dive in. Then how can you know what kind of seed is getting planted in your life and what kind of harvest you're going to have off of those thoughts, those opinions and those beliefs? And who's going to become your enemy? Who's going to cancel you? Who's going to cut you off out of their life? Because you're part of a different tribe now. You're on the other side of the border, but it's not a natural border. It's not a river or an ocean. It's not a sign that says you're leaving Colorado and entering Kansas. It's a pop border. It's an information board. It's a totally different information ecology. And both sides are guilty of looking at the other side. And there's not just two sides, by the way. I'm just making it simple. Remember, our brain's like a simple. Because there's so many streams. There's so many thought countries out there now. So many thought tribes out there. Each one thinking they have the truth and thinking the other side is stupid thinking the other side is uh, cheap, thinking the other side is, how can they not see it? I can't believe, I mean, it's right there as plain as the nose on your face. It's right there in front of you. How can you not see it? They can't see it because they're living in a thought culture, in an information ecology, in a groupthink echo chamber. That's so wired them neurolinguistically at the level of mind and body that it has brought a level of certainty. And it's so simple. Why can't they see it? It's so simple. Why do they have to be so dumb? Why are they sheep? Why are they blind? See what we're doing to each other? See what we're doing? Like the territory that we occupy and defend now is our information our opinion, our belief. I mean, people were always this way. People were always this way. People never liked having their beliefs challenged or their opinions challenged. There was always conflict and debate, but not like today. Not like we see today. So if I could say anything at the end of this, it is, this is the age that we live in. This is the age we live in, guys. This is the age of Aquarius. This is the new age, and it's not all unicorns and rainbows. And there is no golden path to enlightenment in 30 days. And you can work the law of attraction, and you can have all this spiritual understanding, and at the end of the day, it can still leave you empty. You can buy into ideas that at the end of the day aren't going to give you the outcomes that you want. And we're going to see more of this. The acts of war today are things like hacking into computer systems and shutting down pipelines. The acts of war today, the the territory that we're battling after is information, knowledge on one another, mining Bitcoin, trading on the stock market, mining for solar oil. I mean, that stuff's still out there. But I, I believe as we move more into the age of Aquarius, we're going to see more of that kind of a thing. 
we need to be prepared. We need to start asking ourselves the questions. How do we, especially if you have kids or grandkids, how do we prepare them? How do we prepare them for a world that we don't know what's going to be like in 10 years? And how do we profile ourselves? And if you're going to be love and light, notice I said if you're going to be love and light. I didn't say all love and light because I think that's a delusion. Come on, we want to be loving people. We want to let our light shine. If we're going to do that, maybe we just need to get back to treating people decently, allowing people to have their opinions without insulting them and putting them down, without making it personal. And respecting people's rights. Right? So anyway, that's it. That's all I got. But I hope this was helpful. I feel like I just kind of ranted, but I hope this was helpful for you. Uh, love you guys. I love spending this time with you guys. I, I'm so, so, so very appreciative of those of you that you're the reason that I still do this. I'm, I'm not doing this for any other reason, but that I think about you. I think about the people that, that watch and catch me on Sunday mornings. And I realize if you're going to spend an hour of your time with me on Sunday morning, most of you are consistent watchers. If you're going to spend that time with me, uh, it's important to me that I try to keep those commitments and I'm able to spend that time with you. I'm hoping doing this by Zoom eliminated the cutting out that I've been getting the last three or four weeks. Um, if you want, give me some ideas for some topics. Uh, again, today I just started talking. I just started yapping. So if I said something wrong, if I said something offensive, uh, if I said something that rubbed the cats for the wrong way, please forgive me. Uh, because I so value the fact that you take and spend this time with me. And uh, so God bless you. I love you. Uh, namaste and be well.